Welcome to the Red Words Podcast, where we pursue a personal relationship with God the Father and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Join us weekly as we deep dive into the dynamic and oftentimes curious Holy Spirit-inspired book of God's Word. After King Jesus defeats all evil, Revelation chapter 20 explains the details and reason for Satan's demise. Also, this chapter introduces King Jesus' millennial kingdom reign and what happens at the great white throne judgment at the end of that 1,000 years. Here is Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He sees the dragon, that old serpent, who is the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked so Satan could not deceive the nations any more until the thousand years were finished. Afterward, he must be released for a little while. In brief recap from Revelation chapter 19, Antichrist and the false prophet are already in the lake of fire. Also destroyed are the massive nation armies who came to the valley of Megiddo thinking they could fight the Lord God Almighty. There was no battle, for King Jesus destroyed every single evil person with the word of his mouth, as sharp as a two-edged sword. Carrion birds, birds of prey, and wild beasts feasted upon the massive armies. And now, standing before his creator, it is Satan's turn to be imprisoned. John describes a single angel descending from the fourth realm with the key to the bottomless abyss. He holds a chain, and without any further assistance, this solitary angel seizes Satan and locks him in the abyss for a thousand years. The angel places the key back into the padlock and secures it so that Satan cannot tempt, deceive, lie, or prevail his evil against anyone for nearly ten centuries. And then scripture warns that at the end of the thousand years, Satan must be released for a little while. Hmm, that Satan is released from God's prison is troubling, but the reason is revealed very soon. With Satan imprisoned, Scripture now turns to King Jesus' new government. Here is verse 4. Then I saw thrones, and the people sitting on them had been given the authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their forehead or their hands. They all came to life again and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. God's church, who was taken up in the Harpazzo, have gone through the judgment seat of Christ, those who served him while on earth and whose works passed his refining fire, became his bride. They rode with him through the clouds and now sit on thrones with King Jesus. They are given authority to rule and reign with him. Also present are the vast multitudes of people who chose the Lord Jesus Christ after the Harpazzo and during the tribulation. These saints refused Satan's mark, and they suffered tremendously during the great tribulation. Many starved or died from disease and war. 
Millions were rounded up, and if they refused to worship the statue that caused the abomination of desolation, they were beheaded. Throughout the tribulation, these saints stood before their accusers and proclaimed the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They prevailed in their testimonies of the wonder and amazement and promises of their Redeemer. They could not be silenced, and they refused to be swayed by the threat of death, for they knew and understood God's promise to them would be eternal life forever with Father God. Now, standing before their king, God fulfills his promise to these saints and awards them their new resurrected bodies and grants them rulership with King Jesus throughout the millennial kingdom. Verses 5 and 6 adds further explanation. This is the first resurrection. The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. From them the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. The first resurrection is a specific group of people who are gathered from four different time periods, and this group is awarded brand new incorruptible bodies like the one God gave his son when he was resurrected. These new bodies awarded to the first resurrection group are capable of many fabulous things, too numerous to mention here. The important question is, who becomes a member of the first resurrection group? The answer is the Lord Jesus Christ, his Old Testament saints, God's church, and the tribulation saints. Four very distinct time periods and four very distinct gathering methods. The common denominator is this. These souls with their new bodies who are in the first resurrection do not experience the second death. The only thing that separates them from everyone else was their decision to choose by faith the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior while they lived on earth. The above scripture goes on to say that God blesses the tribulation saints and makes them priests in his temple. Wow, what an honor. Now, let's unscramble the rest of the above verse. Who are the rest of the dead? And what exactly is the second death? The rest of the dead are those people who refuse to choose the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And the second death is what happens to these people after they are judged by God, which we learn about very soon. To fully understand the second death, it must be understood that the first death is the physical passing away of a person from earth. Once a person is dead, their soul lives forever and continues to experience mental, emotional, and physical things. At the moment of death, location is determined. If the person refused the Lord as their Savior when they were alive, their soul goes to hell. If the person chose the Lord as their Savior when they were alive, their soul goes to the fourth realm of heaven. Now, here is the vital fact about the second death. The second death is the soul's eternal separation from God after judgment. The soul recognizes that it cannot reverse the incorrect decision that was made during life. This knowledge produces everlasting mental, emotional, and physical torment. Let's continue with Revelation chapter 20, verses 7 through 10. When the thousand years comes to an end, Satan will be let out of his prison. 
He will go out to deceive the nations called Gog and Magog in every corner of the earth. He will gather them together for battle, a mighty army, as numberless as sand along the seashore. And I saw them as they went up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and the beloved city. But fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. Then the devil, who had deceived them, was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Okay, so King Jesus and his beloved rule the nations of earth for 1,000 years. But who populates the nations of earth so they become as numerous as the sand along the seashore? Number one, those in the first resurrection made up of King Jesus, his Old Testament saints, God's church, and the tribulation saints. This group is human-like in appearance, made in God's image, but they are more than that in every way. They can travel in and out of spaces differently than a regular human can, as Jesus demonstrated multiple times after his resurrection, when he disappeared and reappeared in another location in an instant. Those in the first resurrection group do not age. They do not marry or reproduce. They do not know temptation, nor do they commit iniquity. Number two, the second group that populates earth during the millennial kingdom are the fully physical humans, the remnant Israelites whom God protected when they fled to Petra after the abomination of desolation. God grants this group long lives, similar to those lifespans prior to the flood, where people lived six, eight, nine hundred years. In the millennial kingdom, this group ages, but they do not die. They are like any human, capable of sin and deceit. They also marry and reproduce. This people group repopulates earth over the 1,000-year period. Now, to fully understand what happens next, we need to know what life will be like during the millennial kingdom. First, King Jesus' government is a monarchy. He alone rules and reigns, and he will do so with absolute fairness. Right from the start, he restores earth to its former glory as it was at creation. This restoration involves many things beyond comprehension, but suffice it to say, earth will be perfect, whereas the human generations born from the Israeli remnant will not be perfect. Next, King Jesus appoints kings and judges, governors, and mayors. Each one of these rulers, who are chosen from his faithful ones, from within the first resurrection, serves him in some capacity, but not just any capacity. Oh, no. For Jesus provides each one with the work of their heart, something they absolutely love to do. Never again in King Jesus' government will anyone hear that someone hates their job. Instead, all will serve out of joy and happiness and love. This is vitally important to understand because when the Israelite remnant marries and has children, they marry and have children, and so on, reproducing for ten centuries, thus filling the nations of earth as numberless as the sand along the seashore. Yet, the earth, in its perfection, 
does not moan or sag or stop producing all that is necessary to sustain this vast number of people. Now, get this. The original Israelite remnant chose the Lord Jesus Christ during the Great Tribulation. Therefore, by grace, they are saved. They age, but will be rewarded new bodies at the end of the Millennial Kingdom. Meantime, their descendants grow up in perfection. They want for nothing. They won't know war or death, disease or deceit. These generations know love and beauty, hope, truth, justice, fairness, and rewards. The list of God's goodness is long. These generations know and understand who King Jesus is and what he did to save the world. These generations never see the horrors their tribulation remnant ancestors witnessed and suffered during the years leading up to and throughout the tribulation. These generations do not experience demonic activities of any type. They do not experience satanic lies and deceit, for he is bound in the abyss and cannot influence them. But regardless, even with perfection surrounding them, these generations resort to sin and iniquity. They revert back to human nature, introduced by Adam and Eve when they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Many of the generations rebel against the authority of their monarch, and ruling with a rod of iron, King Jesus corrects any wrongdoing swiftly and justly, but always in love. Instead of responding with acceptance of their wrongdoing and repenting, instead of being thankful for their amazing and perfect lives, they refuse their king's worthiness and ability to judge fairly. And so they act out according to their own desires, and this behavior, too, is swiftly and justly corrected. For each rebellion King Jesus corrects, their sin grows deep within their hearts and minds until they fully reject their king and get as far from him as the four corners of the earth allows Entire nations become overpopulated with the unruly, and as their numbers grow, so does their desire to overcome the kingdom. Near the end of the 1,000 years, God releases Satan out of his prison to unleash the deceiver upon earth. Satan does what he has always done and roams the planet, deceiving those who have abandoned King Jesus in their hearts and in their minds. Satan gathers the sinful to him and marches them to the exact same place he marched the earth dwellers from the Great Tribulation. Back to Jerusalem they go, and they surround the Holy Temple, and once again in their deceit, these descendants of the Israeli remnant believe they can slay God's Son. King Jesus does not move against them this time. He remains sitting quietly upon his throne, sure of the outcome. Then God's fire from heaven comes down upon the descendants and destroys them all. Immediately afterwards, Satan is thrown alive into the lake of fire where he joins Antichrist and the false prophet, and they are tormented day and night forever and ever. So the dead from the millennial kingdom go to hell where they join the other dead who also refused the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. King Jesus's thousand-year reign now draws to a close. Here are the final verses of Revelation chapter 20. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. 
I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. John describes the Lord God sitting upon a great white throne as creation attempts to disappear from his mighty presence. For his creation holds the multitudes of the dead, and God will not allow creation to leave his presence because he calls forth from this creation all those people who refused his offer of his one and only beloved son, the God-man, whom the Almighty sent to be the blood bridge back to perfection so humanity could live with God forever. But God causes creation to release its dead. He causes the sea and the earth and the graves of death to give up their souls, and God brings them to life one last time to stand before him at the great white throne judgment. Before the Lord God stands the great and small together as the books of recording are opened. The books of recording list every deed, thought, spoken word, and action ever committed by these people. Beside the books of recording is the book of life, and it too is opened for one last final comparison. God, the one who knows every man's heart and mind, judges these people by the deeds they did when they were alive on earth. Then God removes death and the graves forever by throwing them into the lake of fire. God identifies the lake of fire as the absolute second death, for physical death has already occurred, and now the everlasting spiritual death of the soul, the permanent separation from God Almighty, is commanded upon all those whose names are not found recorded in the book of life. The judged masses standing before the great white throne are thrown into the second death, the lake of fire, forever. The reason is now clear. God demands perfection, and that can only be obtained through the sacrificial death of the Lamb who died on that cross for every person throughout history. Choosing the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior brings righteousness and justification before God, for His Son is the way, the truth, and the everlasting life. And so, dear friends, take heed of the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God today as you seek a deeper personal relationship with Him. Thank you for joining me, and know that the Lord Jesus Christ loves you very much, and so do we. Until next time, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen and amen.